0: Hello and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. This is your destination for conversations with the winners and finalists of the annual prizes, as well as discussions with book lovers from across the country. My guest for this episode wears many hats and does a lot of different things in the publishing and literary communities. But instead of me listing them all off, here she is to introduce herself. My name is Zoe
1: Grams,
0: Uh, my pronouns are she hers,
1: and I'm a writer, an entrepreneur, and I care a lot about literature and around uh, how storytelling can be used to accelerate social or environmental justice. I grew up in Scotland until I was in my early 20s. Uh, I lost my accent very quickly, as you can probably hear. And now I split my time between unceded Coast Salish territory and unceded Toloquiate territory, which is Vancouver and Tofino. Uh, And some of my roles are founder of ZG Stories, co-founder of Upstart and Crow, um, head of strategy with The Magic Canoe, and marketing director of the Vancouver Writers Fest.
0: In this episode, Zoe and I talked about book publicity and what it means, and why we need to support small publishers. Here's my conversation with Zoe Grams. If you could be the character from any book, novel, poem, kids book, I think people have used documentaries now, who would you be and why?
1: So you did tell me about this question in advance, which maybe makes it all the more shameful that I don't have a specific answer for this question. I mean, so so when I read this question, partly what what I was thinking was that the experiences that a lot of characters have to go through in order for us to read about their transformations or adventures um, are not really experiences that I would want to, to go through in many cases. Um, and so I, I think if I could combine characters, I would want bravery of many of the characters in, in stories that we read. I'd love to have the sort of literary savvy and self-awareness of Deborah Levy and I'd love to have the strength and steeliness and just coolness of most of the women in Cécile Coulon's novel she's an incredible French uh, uh, French writer and that's that's sort of as far as I got I think there could be lots of combinations to be had
0: it's interesting because you're not the first person to say that, especially in fiction, the characters that we love most often are put through very trying times and are often put through things we wouldn't really want to live through, but it makes for good reading.
1: Exactly. We, we sort of get to do the armchair
0: learning. That's right. So what are you reading these days, Zoe? Zoe?
1: Well, um, my uh, my reading pile is a little larger than it would usually be because there's so many really exciting books that are coming out this spring, of course, af- after sort of the, the Christmas season where we're into looking at what's happening in the year ahead. Um, the one that I'm reading right now is a book called His Name Was Death by Raphael Bernal. It's coming out with new directions in, the, in this spring, Bernal is a Mexican novelist in from the early 20th century and this is essentially one of the sort of first works of eco-fiction. It's a really really sort of dark humored look at colonial exploitation about what it means to live with and against nature um, and it feels really really prescient. So it's being re-released by uh, New Directions and I'm having a lot of fun with that and another book that i'm reading actually also by uh, by new directions is lucky breaks which is a book by uh better who's an incredibly talented uh female ukrainian author and she's written a series of really short strange stories um depicting what life is like for women in ukraine uh in in modern day so um both both fairly heady books uh but examples of of some pretty exceptional literature that's that's coming from across the globe
0: yeah are you someone who do you read across genres or do you prefer to read like fiction or memoir or where do you land on that
1: um i mainly so for for my own pleasure i mainly read fiction i read a lot of nonfiction for I don't want to say for work because in in a way it's all work and it's all not work. But a lot of the books that I represent are nonfiction, and a lot of the books I I do within kind of communications roles relate to nonfiction. But my imagination and my heart are sort of with strange, um, dystopian, magic realist fiction, ideally, which wasn't written in English. So I'm I'm a bit all over the place.
0: Yeah. How do you put together your reading list? Do you have a to-read list or do you go just kind of based on how you're feeling at a given time?
1: Um, I have piles. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of piles. Um, I I don't have a, a formal list. I think in some ways for me that would sort of take the, the fun out of it. I definitely try to balance what I'm reading for different roles that I play and then what books I think would be really perfect for Upstart and Crow, the literary arts studio. I think what I'm really looking for nowadays are books that offer a sense of possibility or sort of a different perspective. Um, You know, it's that it's sort of that combination of recognition that you get when you read something that's, that's just exceptional and and speaks to the human experience in a certain way, but also where you get really excited that somebody could just think that idea, that somebody could put those words on paper in that order. There, there's just that that kind of thrill and joy of, of seeing good art. Um, so anything that's a little bit surprising, that offers a different perspective, that's that's sort of the instinct that I'm trying to go for when I when I pick what to read.
0: Yeah. Have you always been a reader or did that come later in life for you?
1: No, I've I've always been a reader. Um, actually at first to my mum's chagrin. I don't know of many parents <laughs> who are not keen on their kids being readers, but I mean I remember having arguments with my mum when she'd say, Well, what, what would you like for your Christmas? And I said, Oh, just just books, just a book or just oh, I really want to read Proust. Can I have, you know, this one's way, the whole collection? Um and uh and uh and sorry, in search of lost times the collection. Um so I've always really loved books. Um I didn't really expect a career in it, partly because that seemed like a bit too much of a dream. Um, like who gets to work with books? Who are those people? Um, but have always loved reading and and read pretty voraciously from a young age.
0: What books you mentioned Proust, but what books were you drawn to as, as a young reader?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. I loved fairy tales. So lots of fairy tales, lots of myths. And, and then, you know, went through the stage that I think many voracious readers go through. I'm sure, you know, perhaps you or a lot of listeners will have experienced this, but you start to read things that are sort of your, your reading level, but not your emotional or intellectual level. So I read a lot of, um, you know, classics and things that sort of thought I understood and then now realize that I probably got about 10% of what those books were about but but for me it, it was honestly just the it was more of the experience of reading than than what it was actually it was just like being able to sit for hours at a time in that kind of escapist way um and and to learn and to to fall into other people's minds um so it sort of it didn't really matter what it was I mean it was almost that kind of like back of the cornflake pack it would do
0: you mentioned in your introduction some of the many things that you do. Uh, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about what you do and how you came to have a career in books, which seemed impossible as a
1: child. <laughs> yes, absolutely. What I do is support storytellers in sharing their work. Uh, that's that's sort of the the bottom line of, of all the various hats. Um, and I do that in different ways. I... Founded a a marketing agency that works with publishing houses and um, literary festivals and authors. Co-founded Upstart and Core Literary Art Studio, which is a a bookstore, but also a space for sharing new ways of of exploring literature and and storytelling. And then uh, then consult with with various clients about sort of how they're using storytelling for for their, their goals. And so all of it is based around... The, the sort of real glee and joy of, of, of language and, and stories and what it can do, um, and just kind of applying it in, in different ways. And I got into publishing in a pretty boring story way, actually, where there was um, a, a job going at, at d and publishers at the time um, when they were still um, uh, an independent publisher in, in Canada. Uh, for publicist and i had been working in uh in sort of cultural communications for a couple of years i did some freelance writing and lo and behold they they gave me the job it was sort of my dream dream job um and i just started from there really
0: and so maybe we'll start with uh talking about zg stories could you tell me a little bit more about uh about how that started and the work that you do there
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, so it started very organically. Um, DNM publishers, which I mentioned, uh, really, really sadly went bankrupt. I want to say in about 2011, and I was sort of looking for for. So I everybody lost their jobs, including me, and I was looking for other jobs that I was interested in, and just really didn't get the butterflies. You know, didn't get excited about what I was applying for and so I I thought well let's I'll just see if I can I can make a go of it I'll just see if I can get enough freelance work that I can pay the rent really and and luckily I I was able to do that and and sort of I had enough contacts and and sort of a few people who who knew that I was I was available That fairly quickly, I was working with Greystone Books and then Harbour, then needed to to hire somebody, hired somebody absolutely exceptional. We worked out of my spare room, hired somebody else, realized we probably couldn't keep on working out of my spare room, and then then slowly expanded. So it's been really organic. We mainly work with Canadian publishers and Canadian authors, although we do some work in the U.S., and, and we work on many different genres, but I think the through line is literature and nonfiction that has the potential for creating some positive change in the world.
0: And so for folks that don't know what book publicity and marketing looks like, can you explain a little bit about some of the things that you do? Yes,
1: definitely. And I should say first, I mean, it's some of the things I do, but but actually I mainly just take credit now um, with my, my name on the door. It's a really incredibly talented team of people that I, I feel really lucky to work with. Ariel and Nikki and Lohit and Ryan, um, and, and they're really the people who are getting a lot of incredible results for for the publishers and the authors that we work with. But what that looks like is you know when when you see a book on being, or an, an author being interviewed on television. Or a review in a newspaper, anything like that, there's usually a publicist furiously emailing behind the scenes and and that's what our team does is essentially we try to kind of match make books with reviewers or with journalists so that the books get the kind of coverage in the media that they deserve, and that in turn significantly what well, can significantly affect book sales because of course, if people see something. In the media they're more likely to sort of pick it up when they're in the bookstore. We also do online marketing a lot of the behind the scenes work that um, you know is a huge part of the work that publishers do to make a book successful from a sales perspective, but which is mainly invisible to, to readers. And we work with influencers. So when you see beautiful photos of books that people have taken on Instagram, some of those perhaps are, are ones that we've, we've had a hand in. So it's, it's essentially looking at a book and saying, how can we help to make this sell as much as possible while collaborating with all the different people in the industry who, who do that too, like sales reps, the publishers, um, the, and, the, and the booksellers and the, you know, the independent bookstore industry.
0: And speaking of independent bookstores, uh, you mentioned that you are the co-founder of Upstart & Crow, which I know is more than just a bookstore. Uh, but if you could talk a little bit about Upstart and & Crow and and how that started. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, and it's hard to believe it; it's just a, a year old now and it feels both very new and uh, <laughs> very old at the same time. So Upstart & Crow started... It was both a very impulsive and a very long process. Um, I was on Granville Island uh, working with the Vancouver Writers Fest that day, the bastion of the literary scene on, on Granville Island, and walked past a storefront that had a for rent sign. And it's this beautiful... I, well, I mean, obviously I am i was smitten as soon as I saw it. I mean, I was so excited. Um, and it's its within uh, an avenue of studios and, and artist studios. And so I thought very quickly, well, how wonderful would it be if this was a studio for literary arts? Like if this was a place where people could come to be inspired to read, but also to kind of play and experiment with what it means to study or produce or read literature and uh, and and it really just evolved from there I mean it was a fairly long application process because it goes through um, different rounds of interviews with with Granville Island Um, so so in many ways we were really lucky that that happened because we needed to sort of really have our um, have our ideas together from the very beginning and and be a bit more disciplined than we might be otherwise and we launched uh in August August 2020 um and i say we it's my my partner ian gill and i uh who who essentially co-conceived it and then co i mean physically co-built it with with my dad it was us very early mornings with uh a table saw and a sander in in the store building all the stores all the shelves and all the tables
0: I haven't been in yet but it looks beautiful
1: <laughs> Oh, thank you I mean there's literally blood and, and sweat and tears that's gone into that because I'm not a very good carpenter <laughs> um certainly better when I when I finished than when I started but um yeah we and and again we have a really wonderful team there and Chelsea and Ignacia who um who help us to select the books um and and chelsea uh franz is our creative associate and she does a, a terrific series called beyond the books where she does online interviews with our authors um and we also have a, a book club series called found in translation where again we really spotlight books that weren't originally written in english
0: it's great that there's a bookstore in granville island again because i was thinking as you were talking there probably hasn't really been one since barbara joe's cookbooks which I mean obviously was a bit limited in what it offered but there really is hasn't been a bookstore in that area in quite a while
1: yeah exactly I think I think Blackberry was the last to to leave the area Um, and that was that was quite a few years ago so yeah we feel we honestly feel really um, humbled and and excited that we we sort of get to take that mantle
0: And it's always great to see that you, both with ZG Stories, because you work with BC publishers, but also at the the store, you support a lot of BC and Yukon authors. What excites you about books written and published in BC and the Yukon?
1: It's such a good question. And it's also a really hard question, (laughs) Megan, because I, I think one of the things that excites me the most actually makes it hard to talk about, which is just the, the sheer depth and variety of books that are being published in BC and the Yukon. I mean, it, we're so far from, from what one would consider kind of regional publishing and, and to have sort of internationally best-selling authors with emerging authors, it's so I think one of the things that excites me the most is that it actually feels like a part of the industry that has room for a lot of people um and where there's a kind of bubbling excitement for debut works in addition to kind of tried and tested um
0: bestsellers yeah do you have any favorite books by BC and Yukon authors
1: Oh, I have a lot of them as well. <laughs> well, it, so it's it's probably um, uh, a book that listeners would have uh, heard a lot about last season. Um, but uh, Isabella Wang's Pebble Swing uh, is a poetry collection that really it, it's it continues to be surprising that it's a debut. Um, it's it's incredibly beautiful. It's complex. It's experimental and and I, I think that Isabella Wang, for those who weren't already reading her work, it it's just it's a beautiful introduction and and it's really exciting to think about where this kind of young poet is is going to go next. Um so that's definitely one on my list. I would say that uh, that one of the books that I recommend the most in in the store is uh, is Greenwood by Michael Christie. and I and it's sort of a perennial seller for a reason I think it's sort of to me it ticks all the boxes like it's a real page turner it's plot centric yet the characters are really well developed it has um sort of questions about morality and what it means to be um uh well what it what it means to sort of be be a good family member but also be a good human in regards to nature um and it, and it's the one that i think whenever people come in and say well what should i get for you know this family member it it feels like a a beautiful option for for many different people so that's another one that um that i often recommend
0: yeah it's such a beautiful physical book too i remember saying that to to michael when i talked to him like it's just a gorgeous book like the words on the page are one thing but the actual book in your hands is just gorgeous too
1: yeah. The, the kind of end papers that, that look like the rings and yeah, it's just, it's really beautifully done. Yeah. That's uh so, I mean, and, and there's so many, I, I do think too, that, I mean, one of the things that it's interesting with, with the book prizes because it's, you know, BC based authors. And and of course uh, I've mentioned two authors that are based in BC, but partly what I think is really exciting about BC publishing is the the heft for one of a better word that BC publishers are having across Canada, including with a lot of by publishing a lot of writers who aren't necessarily based in BC. I mean, I, I mean Arsenal Pulp Press I think is a really good example of that. Where um, I don't know what percentage of their book is is books are from writers um, from BC, but uh, but their reach and um, and the impact that they're having really across North America belies that or um or counters that they're sort of a, a small press based in vancouver
0: yeah yeah there's i i often talk with uh other writers about about publishing and and selling books to publishers and and i just think arsenal pulp but so many publishers in bc are are such great examples of the exciting books that are being published in this country overall because i just it seems like book Publishers like Arsenal Pulp or Nightwood or um, Caitlin Press, you know, they're really taking risks in ways that I think I know, well, we know the big publishers just don't. And I think that's what makes it really exciting.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, taking risks is, is exactly how I would describe it. And, and I think we, we um, I mean, you know, as readers, we should be able to read what we want. But I, I, I think that people who are in the industry or who care about the industry, I think we have a, a bit of a duty to reward publishers that are um, taking those risks and making those bets and sort of, and especially mentoring and discovering and supporting debut authors or authors who will be a big name in say three to five years, um, but but who they're, you championing at this stage and so the the more I think that as readers we can be a little bit brave um or or read things that we might not expect to read um and support independent publishing the more we're actually supporting the entire ecosystem of publishing in Canada I think
0: yeah a great example of that that I've thought of lately is is Ivan Coyote who like they were um published- on Arsenal pulp for a very long time and, and they kind of fostered their career. And now they've gone on to publish like care of was, I think McClellan and Stewart. So it's kind of that way that the, the small presses are able to really kind of nurture someone's career early on. And then if someone does want to move on to a big house, they've kind of had that time with, with a smaller publisher to help build their career.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's a great example. Um, Vivek Shreya is another yeah. um, Arsenal Pulp Press author that comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So one question I, I've been asking a, a few people is around book prizes in general, not just the BC and Yukon book prizes. But there there's always a lot of mixed opinions about book prizes and literary awards. And I wondered why you thought they were important.
1: Oh this is another really good question. I was giving it some thought. I mean first I I do think it's worth a- acknowledging the the critique of of book prizes and the the fact that sort of by definition and necessarily it's going to be a really narrow process that that leads to a result and we sort of it's almost like we need to really take these things with a pinch of salt but yet we rely so much on them. In the industry, I I think they're important. So I'm going to speak from a, from a marketer here and say I think they're important because actually what they do. One of the reasons they're important is I think they focus a very different audience on the book that wouldn't otherwise pick it up or necessarily be interested in it. Like I think we have, I think we need to be realistic as people in the industry who care about independent publishing who care about different voices that it is becoming harder and harder to publish those books and it's becoming um and the and the industry is becoming despite more and more books being published even narrower in terms of what sells um, on a national and an international basis i think what book prizes do is they provide a sort of widespread, for want of a better phrase, kind of stamp of approval for people who might not be as risk-taking in what they read or who might need um, further proof that, that this might be the book for them. Um, and it does that on on a scale that that then kind of Works in tandem with the independent booksellers who are pressing books into people's hands and the media coverage and and the online reviews and and things like that. so to me it, it's sort of one of the many like searchlights that that we have to introduce people to books that they should be reading
0: yeah. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Carrie Clare for the podcast, and she was saying too, as someone from outside of BC, regional book prizes like the BC and Yukon book prizes are so helpful for folks outside of the province and territory as this kind of glimpse into the books that are being celebrated here. And I find that too, you know, I'll look at the Saskatchewan Book Awards to to look at what books are, are popular and maybe we haven't heard a lot about of outside of that province
1: yeah, exactly, exactly, and uh, I mean, I I can understand again why they they might be controversial, and, and of course it's it's really difficult because there can I mean now I sound like sort of um, <laughs> someone at sports day or something, but there can there can only be one winner. I mean, what? But but I think what the BC and UConn Book Prizes do, or or for example Canada Reads, like I think what a lot of book prizes have been doing recently is that actually the winning isn't the most important thing anymore I mean you know it really helps and it is a huge accolade but the work that's being done to support all the books that are in that category and the way that to my mind at least these prizes are being used to increase people's awareness and understanding of publishing as a whole I think that's really healthy, um, and it feels it feels a lot more in line with some of the more essentially progressive moves that we're making in publishing um, than the sort of okay, it's it's all about the money, and we're just going to be promoting the one person who gets the check.
0: Thanks to Zoe Grimes for being on the podcast. Zoe is the founder of ZG Stories and the co-founder of Upstart and Crow. If you want to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website, bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, where we share news about the winners and finalists, as well as information about upcoming events. Next week on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Hilary Atleo from Iron Dog Books. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.